so that we can see this thing come to an end soon. But God, we know you have a plan. And because nothing can be done outside of your providence, Lord, you ask that you just, we ask that you just keep us covered, protected in the shelter of your wings. That a hedge of protection be around all the believers, all of us, not just the believers, everyone, God. Your children and all your creation, that it will be known that it was you who brought this thing to an end. That you were the one that protected us. That you would get all the glory. Now as we have come out this day into your house of worship, we ask that you be with us for a while and empower us with your grace, your love, your mercy that we will be the kind of people, even in these times, that we can still look up to you and be happy, that we can still find joy in spite of the circumstance, that our hearts will still be able to receive love and give love. Lord, I ask that you touch the homeless population right now, the most vulnerable of us. Help us to be able to supply the food as we have always done for these people, that when we go to the stores to purchase this food, the shelves will not be empty. That there will be a, made, a way made that we can provide for those who have less, that don't have the ability to stockpile any toiletry items or food, that we'll be able to do what it is that you have called us to do, to build your kingdom on earth. And so, God, as we move forward, we just ask that you be with us a little while longer. Be with us through this service. Keep us covered and protected. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. I hope everybody is feeling okay and that no one is having any ill effects. And uh, we will, of course, obviously play by ear uh, how we proceed uh, moving in the future. Uh, so as we start today, so many of our churches are, have switched to online format. And we know that in, in, in a lot of cases it works out for some because if they were in movie theaters, movie theaters are shut down, they have no choice. Uh, some of our larger churches do not able to uh, uh, accommodate the required social distancing. Uh, fortunately for us, here is the, the benefit of being a small church, uh, that we do have the benefit and the luxury of being able to still come and gather in our place of worship and maintain uh, the required uh, social distancing space. Uh, so that is, uh, well, I guess it's sometimes when we start lamenting on, oh, I wish our church was bigger, oh, I wish we could do this, and we'd all be at home right now instead of coming to church, because if you talk to any, uh, a lot of people, and if you talk to some pastors like I do, uh, there are a lot of angry folk because they're not having service. They, they, they have been looking forward to church uh, on their own before all of this happened, and especially now when they're locked up in their houses, uh, the one place they want to go, if it's not to the grocery store, it is to church, so... Uh, we should be happy that we have this ability that we can still do this and, and those who aren't here have the ability to watch it online, which is wonderful as well. So let's get into the word today. We're going to go to the scripture we use actually in Bible study uh, Wednesday. Uh, it's in the Old Testament book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 41 verses 8 through 10. Isaiah chapter 41 verses 8 through 10. It's a uh, one of the major prophets of the Bible, and not because he was greater than anybody, but because he produced a lot of work uh, and said a lot and spoke a lot on behalf of our God. Uh, he says in verse 8, But you, Israel, are my certain servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend, you whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest regions and said to you, 
You are my servant. I have chosen you and have not cast you away. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will hold you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. And so this morning, uh, we are going to use for a theme, Why Worry? Uh, last week, we preached, uh, or our preached was uh, in joy in spite of. And, and you understand that when you get to a place of, of having some joy in spite of the circumstances, despite of what we're experiencing here in the United States, what we're experiencing uh, globally, uh, if you have joy in spite of, the next logical question would be, why worry? If you have joy, you have no reason to worry. That is not to say that we don't exercise common sense. It doesn't mean that we uh, flout all, 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 all the rules and do whatever it is we want. We just understand that while we're in the midst of what it is that's going on, we don't have anything to worry about because we have joy in spite of the circumstance. Uh, last week when uh, we uh, put this up, uh, this is from the Johns Hopkins website, it talked about the spread of this disease globally, and this was a, uh, a, the picture from the Saturday afternoon, and there were 155,000 cases worldwide, and I forgot the number, I told you what it was on Sunday, but in a matter of a week, again, Saturday when I put this together, the number is up to 303,000 worldwide. And so when we're living in this time, uh, it is only a natural inclination for human beings to worry and panic and have fear when something like this is happening because we saw in a matter of a week the numbers doubled from 150 to 300, 150,000 to 300 cases. And if you watch the news on a daily basis, we see that Italy is now the epicenter of all this going on, that they literally had 400 people die over the course of the past couple of days. It just seems people are dying and dying and dying. And when you watch the news, it creates a situation that makes you afraid. And then if you're on social media, you have these people who are all of a sudden, like I said last week, they couldn't pass a high school biology class, but all of a sudden they're virologists and medical doctors, and then if you don't have the guys who are the, the virologists and doctors who play them on Facebook, now you've got the conspiracy theorists that, that are adding to the stress and the fear and the worry because they're telling you this is a government plot. They're trying to lock you in your house so they can go out and do all this stuff and don't trust this and don't trust that because if you do, we're going to see that they're going to kill us all. And to make matters worse, we can't really process it all because anytime we watch our leader, air quote leader, he is not doing what it takes to make us feel comfortable. He is not accepting responsibility. He is only lying. And if we had only known a couple of months ago, we could have been ahead of all this. And then here we find out things were ignored in December and in January in February. And then he says at one point in time, this is not a pandemic, it's just one guy coming from China. Now he says, oh, I always knew this was going to turn into a pandemic. Friend of mine says, why are you angry? You're safe at home. You should be happy. How am I happy when I can't see my family like I want to? 
Yes, I'm at home, but I can't go and hug my grandchild. Why, what is there to be happy about? That families are no longer able to connect physically, that we have to connect virtually. That I actually have to have a video call with my grandson so that he can see my face. That I can't go to him and embrace him and he want to know, why are you angry at the president? I should be angry, but these people have created worry and he has not helped us with this worry and only added to it because now we don't even know what's supposed to happen. If you have it, where can you get a test? But here's the thing with worry. The definition of worry says is to harass by tearing, biting, or snapping, especially at the throat. I had never really realized this was a, a part of being worried. Uh, it says to touch or disturb something repeatedly, uh, to subject to persistent nagging attention or effort, to afflict with mental distress or agitation, to make one anxious. All of these define worry, and in some form, even when you're talking about harassed by tearing, biting, and snapping, uh, that may not be what we are, but it does feel like when you're stressed out that you are, your mind is being harassed, and you can't do anything because you're being harassed, that something is disturbing your peace, uh, you are subject to the persistent nagging, whether it is because you're staying on social media or watching the news, and uh, clearly we are all afflicted with some mental distress about this whole thing. <sighs> but there are ways to help. I prefer the Bible, but other people try to use other things. Uh, I went on, online to talk about and looked at ways to help stop worrying, and there was a, a webpage, helpguide.org. And I started reading the things that they said you can do to help reduce worry, and I'm looking at these things and said, these are just taking concepts from the Bible. But folks don't want to read the Bible. They'd rather listen to somebody at help helpguide.org and discount the Bible completely. So the first thing Help Guide said to do is create a daily worry period that you set aside one part of the day and make that your worry time. It actually seems like, yeah, that might not be such a bad, but on the other hand, it does seem kind of kooky that I'm actually going to set up a plan this is when I'm going to worry. From 5 to 6 p.m. is the time I'm allotted to worry, and I'm not going to allow anything else to interfere with my worry time. <laughs> but the Bible said in Psalm 1-2 that we're supposed to meditate on his word day and night. And if we spend our time meditating on his, his word day and night, when do you have time to worry? The second thing they said to do, challenge anxious thoughts. Wow. Challenge anxious thoughts. It's one thing to challenge somebody, but now they're saying challenge your anxious thoughts. Well, the Bible says in Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing. Why am I challenging something that I don't need to be anxious about? Bible says be anxious for nothing, but in all things prayer and supplication, make your petition known to God. So why do I need to challenge anxious thoughts when God has told me I don't need to be worried about anything? Third thing they said, distinguish between solvable and unsolvable worries. Well, most of the time, what we're fearing and what we're worried about is not necessarily solvable. And even if it is solvable, uh, you know, really, are we going to deal with that? That's why we're worried about it in the first place. 
Bible said in Matthew 6, 25, uh, verses uh, 6, 25 through 34, he's telling us, do not worry. Do not worry. Can, one, can a man add one cubit to his stature through worry? You can't do anything. No, there is, bottom line is you can't solve anything by worrying. There is no question about whether it's solvable or unsolvable because the Bible tells us you, don't, you can't add one inch to your stature, to your height. You can't lose one pound. You can't gain a pound. You won't gain an inch. You won't even be able to create food if you worry about it. He said the birds of the air worry for no food. The lilies of the field do not toil nor spin. Yet they are more adored than Solomon in all his glory. How you go solve between, uh, distinguish between solvable and unsolvable when God is telling you, don't even worry about that. Don't even worry about food because life is much more than clothing. Life is much more than food. And I would submit to you today that life is much more than COVID-19. They said, interrupt the worry cycle. Interrupt the worry cycle. The problem when you're worrying, you can't interrupt it. Uh, you know, I can't speak for any of you guys, but I know that there have been times when I have been upset and worried and afraid of something, and it just keeps playing over and over and over and over again. I can't stop it. I am focused on what it is I'm worried about. And that's what we're seeing is happening in the land today. But the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, that you are to bring every thought into captivity. Yeah. It's not even about interrupting the worry cycle. As soon as that thought goes out, you snatch it back in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That I will not allow this to control my life in Jesus' name. But that uh, seems like they, they just interrupt the worry cycle. They're not challenging us or pushing us to do it in Jesus' name. Uh, uh, then they said, well, another thing you can do is to talk about your worries. Who are you going to talk to? Right. Right. Now, you think about people who, who are always afraid who worry you. Wor we even have a word for it. They're worrisome. I don't want to deal with them. But this is what they're saying. And then the Bible tells us too in James 5, 16, confess your sins to each other. That's what we're supposed to be doing, talking to each other. And see how they're, they're just taking stuff from the Bible, biblical principles, and try to make it just seem nice. But the Bible tells us specifically in James 5, 16, that we are to go to each other, confessing our sins to each other, and pray for each other. See, this is what they're leaving out. Just talk about your worries, because you know what's going to happen when you just talk about people. They're going to start looking at you different, and then they're going to sit around there and spread all your business in the street. But if you go to another saint and you confess your sins to each other, that's a two-way conversation. This is what I'm worried about. These are my concerns. This is keeping me up at night. This is why I can't go to sleep. Then we pray for each other. And if you read that scripture, it says, after we've done that, then you will be healed. That the worry will no longer be a part of it and, and the world will have you just go and talk about this stuff without actually having you dig deeper and forming the relationship that you need. Then they said you have to practice mindfulness. That's such a vague term. Practice mindfulness. If you were to tell somebody who's worried and scared, just go practice mindfulness. What does that mean? Well, the Bible tells you what it means in Philippians 4.8. Think on these things. Whatever things are... Uh, uh, God, I can't 
can't remember it by heart. Uh, but these things that are worthy, these things that bring joy, the things of God, these are the things you think about to be mindful of the ever-present goodness and love, loving kindness of our Lord and Savior and not the stuff that's worrying you. We will find ourselves stuck in front of these TVs, mad, yelling on social media, throwing down our phones because I can't believe I'm friends with this idiot. I even asked my wife the other day, how is it that I'm looking at the news and I'm watching this conference this clown is given and I see that he is nothing but a three-ring circus and other people who are supporting him. How are they not seeing the, the outright and blatant lies that he is telling when you, you, everybody has captured them? We got this under control. We don't need to do anything. That if you have it, you can still go to work. Now, stay home. This is a national emergency. How did we get from there to here? How is it that I can see the lie and you're trying to tell me that he's doing a great job? How? That worried me. But I'm not doing any of these things what the world says or even what the Bible says. And I still ask the question today, why worry? Who is in control? Who is running all of this? The problem with worrying is it creates anxiety, high anxiety. Then we become subject to panic attacks, a sense of impending doom. And part of the problem when people are stuck in their homes, especially for those who don't have family around them or who are not connected with family, you begin to feel alone and closed off and shut away from anybody and from the world. And then consequently, it just seems like everything is breaking loose and you can't do anything about it. And when you have that sense of impending doom, the next thing it says, number four, is that anything becomes a threat. Any and everything is now a threat, and with all of this going on, the very last thing is that it causes you physically to be ill because you got this anxiety, panic attacks, this sense of everything is coming to an end, and everything is a threat and it's going to cause me harm. And then you can't put all that on top of these conspiracy nuts who have every kind of theory from what I, I actually saw somebody say it made me laugh and now I'm going to stream the movie Three the Hard Way if anybody remembers that movie there was a plot uh, it was a 70's black exploitation film and that the plot from the man was to poison the water supply and kill all the black people and they find out about it but so you got people who are saying this is a plot to try to take out black folks how do you think you can just go isolate black people with this? Anything is a threat. You're in your house because that's where the government wants you. And then all of a sudden the news says, hey, we're deploying the National Guard. Now we're stoking fear. What do you need the National Guard for? People, there's no incidents. I haven't heard of any rioting anywhere. People are going to the stores. The stores are empty, but outside of a couple isolated fights. There's no mass hysteria going on. People are not breaking in and looting businesses. What do we need the National Guard for? So an army guy tells me it's to help administer the food. Again, people are not tearing up stores. We're not robbing people in the parking lot. 
It's also to help with the medication and teaching how to do shots. We don't even have kits to tell us if we have the disease. So what do you need the shot for if you haven't even been tested for the disease? So all these questions are out there and it's adding to the fear and the sense of impending doom and everything is a threat because even if the National Guard is here to help with these things, now it's a threat because we have worried and put ourselves in such a state we have forgotten the question, why worry? There was a, a preacher, Reverend Orton Morrill, he said, ours is a very complicated world, a world of up and downs, of good and evil. It would be impossible to describe our word without a single, describe our world without a single word. But if I had to choose one word, I would choose the word fear. He's, of course, dead, but when you think about what he's saying, we have a complicated world. It is full of up and downs and a good of evil. And it really is impossible to describe this world, but in the end, the reality, what it, it does, what would describe this world is fear. Little people, little men and women who are afraid of something that doesn't exist, whether it is because of race, whether it is because of gender, whether it is because of uh, uh, income, uh, fear of losing money, there is always something at the heart of what causes the evil in us and it's some kind of fear. And we are supposed to be a nation that's a Christian nation. But yet we are governed by the one word, fear. He said, fear causes people to live far below their ability. If we are not careful, a thousand fears will attack us when we awake in the morning. There is a fear of the unknown, fear of the future, fear of ill health, fear of what others will think, fear of being shoved aside, fear of growing old, and fear of death, just to mention a few. Then he goes on to tell a story. said the Arabs have a fable that said pestilence met a caravan on the way to Baghdad. Why must you travel to Baghdad, asked the chief. The pestilence replied to take 5,000 lives. On the way back, pestilence met the caravan. The chief said, you deceived me. You took 50,000 lives. No, insisted Pestilence. I took 5,000 lives. Fear killed the rest. Think about where we are with COVID-19. This would be a perfect metaphor for how we are. That We have had 155,000 people last week. This week, 300,000 people have been infected. More people are going to be infected today and tomorrow and the weeks to come. But more people will die from their own fear and ignorance. And this will be even for those who are the people of God. The people who come to church week after week, year after year, who have continually said how much they love and believe and trust in God, will let fear control them and worry themselves literally to death. Why worry? Why worry? Scripture contains the phrase, the phrase, the phrase is, don't be afraid and do not fear more than 300 times in the Bible. Over 300 times, do not be afraid or do not fear is in the Bible. And then the Bible repeats the command, fear not, 365 times. How many days of the year do we have? 365. Almost a daily reminder, fear not. 
it, it's, it's, it, I won't say it's almost like, he actually knew that every day we needed a reminder, do not fear. But yet we do the exact opposite. So, first point, reason why we should not worry. First reason, we are chosen by God. Verse 8 tells us in this uh, 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 Isaiah 41, in verse 8, but you Israel are my servant, uh, you are my servant. Let me start off. But you, Israel, are my servant. Jacob, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend. He tells us right off in the, from the very beginning, I have chosen you. Yes, yes. You are mine. It, it, it's almost like, I love my wife. I believe she loves me. Right? Do you love me, sweetie? <laughs> a little bit, okay. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. But I chose her to be my wife. She chose me to be her husband. I pledged to take care of her through sickness and health, for richer or poor, in the good times and bad, till death do us part. Why would I do anything else? I believe that she feels the same way to me because she stood there and repeated the same thing I said in front of that preacher. And God, who we know is not one to lie. Now see, I'm a liar. We're all a room full of liars. Don't be looking at me with big eyes. You a liar too. <laughs> a room full of liars. But God does not lie. So I may go back on my vows. I may have done that in a previous marriage and other people have done the same thing. But God, when he chooses us, he chooses us for good. There is no going back for him. There is no, well, today wasn't yet quite a day that I love you today, Ryan. There was no sometimes I love you, Ryan. And you know, when you're getting on my nerves, Ryan, it's an all, as you said uh, in, a, in a movie I watched, it's a zero-sum game. I love you, and that's all there is to it. And when God says, I have chosen you, that means he has made the decision that you are his and he is going to take care of you for better or for worse, for sickness and in health, until death do us part. And actually, Paul even said, death is not even going to change that. John 15, 16 said, Jesus telling, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I chose you. And when he says, I chose you, to a point that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That you ain't going nowhere. That whatever you ask in my Father's name, he may give you. So in the midst of all this fear and in the midst of all this worry, the thing we're supposed to do is remember we are his. He chose us. And that our purpose is not to sit here and have fear and worry, but to go and bear fruit. Because what we produce will remain because we have asked for it in Jesus' name. Second reason why we shouldn't worry. We are not discarded. Verse 9, he says, You whom I've taken from the ends of the earth and called from his farthest regions and said to you, You are my servant, I have chosen you, and have not cast you away. He didn't, you might have been over in the corner of life, gathering dust, but he says, I've taken you from that corner and brought you here. And not only, I didn't cast you away. See, we're quick to throw away people. 
I have a friend from high school, actually he's from elementary school, and I just got to a point, it's like, why am I always calling this dude? He don't ever call me. Any conversation is instigated because I call him. So I stopped calling him. We haven't spoken in 15 years. Not because we're angry. I just said, if he don't value my friendship, I don't care about it anymore. He don't, I'm not going to be the one investing in this friendship. Essentially, I discarded him. But God says, I have not cast you away. Keep in mind the relationship we typically have with God is just like the friend of my relationship with my friend. We only call him when we need something. He's constantly there, a present help in the time of trouble, but we only call on him when we need him. And when he's calling and speaking to us, we ignore him. But he don't throw us away because we ignore him. He doesn't say, you know what, that boy, I'll tell you that, Ryan, I done saved his butt how many times? I'm done with Ryan. Next time he call, I ain't answering the phone. He might pick up the phone, got to look at his caller ID, that's Ron Thomas. Ignore. He doesn't cast us away like we do. And because he doesn't cast us away, why are you worried about it? Why worry? He, uh, Isaiah said in 49, 15, can a woman forget her nursing child and have not compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. He said a woman nursing her child might forget about her child, but I am not going to forget you. We are not discarded or forgotten in the midst of this scourge that is plaguing this planet. He chose us and he has not discarded us. Third reason why we shouldn't worry. God is with us. Verse 10, he says, fear not. Here's that word. Here's your reminder for Sunday, uh, March 22nd, right? Is this today the 22nd? Here's your reminder for Sunday, March 22nd. Fear, uh -huh. March 21st. March, thank you. No, it's the 22nd. Yeah, see, that was the 21st was yesterday. You giving you holding us up on our, our daily reminder. <laughs> Fear not. Sunday, March 22nd, your reminder. Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Here he's telling us, I'm with you. First, before he even tells you that, don't worry about it. Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. So why am I sitting up in my house? Or why are you sitting up in your house worried and scared? Why are we as a collective body of believers, why is a nation that calls itself a Christian nation worried when the word of God tells us directly, fear not? For I am with you. I've told you guys before that when I was a kid that no matter how scared I was, as long as Henry Thomas was with me, that took away all the fear of the world. Whenever something was going wrong, as long as dad was around, I was good. And I remember as a little boy, it was such an impression on my mind to see my dad who never seemed to show fear. I don't know what he felt inside, but I never saw what appeared to be fear that I said, when I become a father, I'm going to make sure my children understand that when they are with me, they are protected. 
And if I will do this for my child and my dad would do it for his children, why isn't God going to do that for us? Because I really have no power. Henry has no power. But yet here we are, the, uh, the God that we love, that, that has chosen us, that has not discarded us, that has told us that he is with us. But yet we walk around here afraid. He can strike us down right now. And he can lift us up as the same, and yet we are walking around here afraid, forgetting what it is. God said, I am with you. And in the English language, I am is the present continuing tense. Think of it, the present continuing tense. I am with you and will always be with you. God is intentional in the words that he uses in here. He is sending a direct message to us in the present continue. Not I was with you until you did this thing. That, well, I would have been hanging with you. I would have been, ro I would have been rolling with you to the day you die, Ron. But you know what? You keep disappointing me, bro. He didn't say that. He said, I am with you in the present continuing sense, saying that I am with you right now, will be with you of all time. Till the end of time, continuing tense, there is no end to how he is saying, I am with you. There's a lady uh, who's no longer with us named Corey Ten Boom who wrote a book called The Hiding Place. And she wrote about God, there is no pit so deep that he is not deeper still. Right there in the midst of it with us. Right there in the midst of everything we're going through. Right here in the midst of COVID-19, God is with us. Why worry? Why worry when God is with us? Romans 8, 38 and 39, this is what I'll tell you what Paul said. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, that includes COVID-19 and COVID-20 and COVID-21 and COVID-50, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why am I worried? Why is anybody worried that believes in God? He said, Paul, when he says that I am persuaded, that you understand the language he is using here is not just something that says, well, this is what I think. He said, I, I am convinced to my core that there is nothing that exists in the past or to come, no power, nor thing, nothing will ever separate us from the love of God. He encompassed everything when he said this. No principalities, nor angels, no created thing, nothing, not even death, will separate us from the love of God. Why worry? Last reason we should not worry. We have God's promise. Verse 10 says, fear not. Here's a reminder you can take for tomorrow. <laughs> Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. And here's the promise. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Here's the promise of God for us. That in the spite of everything that's going on, he says, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. But yet we're afraid. And there are people who are afraid. Why are we worrying 
with all this mess going on when God says, I got you. One of my favorite Bible verses, Isaiah 43, 2, he says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. This, he, I'm with you through everything you're going through. Right now, we're going through coronavirus or COVID-19. He says, when you are going through this, I will be with you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. This is not saying that we will have a perfect life. He's saying you are going to experience some things. There are going to be some troubles that are going to happen. There are going to be some things that we're going to have to experience as believers. But the good news for us is that he is with us because while we're going through this, he will not allow these things to harm us. But we're worried. Why worry when we are plugged into the power of God that is more powerful than anything that ever exists or ever will exist? Why worry? Stephen's gone. <laughs> he, uh, he, he got another church to play at. He, he did ask for permission if he could leave, and I don't want to mess with the boy's money because he don't make a lot as a musician, so go ahead and go. We can survive without having Stephen now. I do wish he was here to play because I feel like this is a, a singing moment here. <laughs> Why worry about all these things that, that exist? And God has said, I'm with you. Fear not. He chose us. He hasn't discarded us when we've done wrong. He is with us. Uh, and what was the, there was the fourth, we go back. And we have his promise. You got it all. We got the total package all ready for us. But yet we are so content to just throw it all away, to let fear take over. Instead of asking the question to yourselves, this is the only thing that the world has that we should be engaged in. And we ask ourselves, why am I worried about this? Why am I worried about what the outcome is going to be? He had already told us life is more than food. Life is more than clothes. So don't ask, where will I eat? What would I eat? What will I wear? Where will I live? Because he sees us. He knows us. Amen? Yeah. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you and we praise you and we give your name glory and honor for being our Lord. Father, we thank you for reminding us that you have chosen us, that we are your people. Thank you, God, that you have not discarded us, even though we have disappointed you time and time again. Thank you, Father, for being with us, even when we can't sense your presence. And Lord God, thank you for the promise that you would always be there, that you will protect us. And even while we're going through the trials, even though we have to deal with COVID-19, that you would be with us. You said in your word, the flame will not scorch us. So thank you, Father, for being our God and being our Lord and Savior. Remind us that we have no reason to worry. Give us the daily reminder of our heart that do not fear because you are with us. Do not fear because you are our God. We love you, Lord, and we trust you. And we will always give you our devotion. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 The uh